Recently, I've been asked quite a bit about my personal experience and why it isn't on the podcast. I think we're at 92, 93 episodes, and bits and pieces of it come out depending on who the guest is and what it is that they bring out. But I really never just saw any reason to just sit down and do an episode talking about my experience because I just honestly hadn't thought about it. And fortunately, we've been able to get guests on here regularly to talk about their experiences. And throughout those, I've been able to put in a little bit of my story and talk about what different things came up throughout my herpes experience as well. But I have been writing lately for a blog, Waxo, and this is a blog of one of our supporters, Dating Positives. As you all know, I'm a spokesperson for it now. And they have the blog Waxo, W-A-X-O-H. And it's another resource that we have for sexual health and wellness and the latest on lifestyle and culture. Don't forget about that call line too, by the way. That phone number is 833 yes love and that's 833-927-5683 be sure to call in and let them know what the most awkward conversation is that you've had about sex could have been with a partner it could have been with a friend it could have been with a parent or relative or something even if it was just like one of those situations where your grandparents might have caught you masturbating and you're like granny don't i can't say what movie that's from but uh i don't want to get in trouble for that (laughs) but yeah please be sure to go check out that blog waxo and you can see a lot of my story i've been doing some writing for them lately. Um, There's a few different articles on there where I talk about community as a cure, which was an episode I did with Emily DePass. Um, I talked about my own personal experience in this, uh, the spotlight feature piece. If you go to the Waxo blog and you just type in my name, you'll find it there, as well as what my sex life became after my HSV diagnosis. If anyone's interested in it, like I know that I've been doing this podcast for a while, and if you've listened to at least most of the episodes, you know a good chunk of what my experience has been. And I try to just leave it about the guests whenever we do these podcasts. So if you want more of my personal story, please go and check out the blog Waxo. And again, don't forget to call that number, 833-YES-LOVE. That's 833-927-5683. And answer that question, leaving a voicemail response, letting them know what is the most awkward conversation that you've had about sex. Well, I've been listening to a couple on the way down, and your your style has kind of changed from the very beginning. But, like, I listened to the most recent one. That was a lot of fun. The one that I think was the worst were the ones where I tried to do a script. So I would, like, try and write out, okay, we're going to talk about this, 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 and this. And then by the end of it, we've covered the first thing, and it's just drifted off into a bunch of other shit that we talk about. So I kind of just stopped doing that altogether. Yeah. But it's cool to open up like this where you start out with some form of conversation and then casually just introduce the podcast. Kind of like I'm doing now. Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Bring. This is a podcast featuring the experiences of people who have faced some form of adversity in their life and are dealing with slash have dealt with it. A lot of the stories are for people who are living with STIs such as herpes and HIV, but... We're getting to a place where we're bringing more useful experiences from people who not only are dealing with herpes or can teach you something to help you deal with your diagnosis, but also a bunch of other areas in your life. So like I always say, if you replace herpes or HIV diagnoses with any other life situation, then you're still left with the story of perseverance. How do I say your name? Because I haven't had to say it since we've been <laughs> messaging. Is it? Yeah. Andrea? Yeah. Oh, okay, you got I got it. it right the first time. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about that too. I was like, I should probably ask her before we start, but it worked out the way that it worked out. No, that's fine. I get Andrea, Andrea. 
That's what I wanted to say. Andrea. Andrea. <laughs> but no, I'm okay with it. My last name is a little more complicated. I wasn't even going to try. Yeah, no. No, I get a million different variations of that, and yeah. I don't even, don't even expect you <laughs> to know that one. So no, that's fine. I'm here live, actually, with... Andrea, now I want to mix it up and mess it up, <laughs> now that I know which one it is, um, but we're here live in the Something Positive Positive People Studios, my closet, where <laughs> we record all of these podcasts, and uh, where are you from? I am originally from the Chicago suburbs, I'm actually a grad student down at ISU right now, okay. so I'm living in normal, mm-hmm. um, but I grew up in the suburbs. You drove all the way out here from? From normal. Really? How yeah. far is that? Uh, it was only two and a half hours. Only two and a half hours. Wow. Yeah, no. Did you drive out here just to record the podcast? Yeah, we were going to do this New Year's thing, and my friends all kind of bailed, and I decided it was a little too expensive for poor old grad student me. So I'm like, but I still want to go see Courtney. Oh, well. I'm like, are you kidding? I'm so, so I, happy I'm, I'm making can. a day trip. I Plus, I heard that. about this new, like, you might have to tell me, there's this new uh, Mexican-Asian fusion place in town, I want to say. I know what you're called. talking about, but the name escapes me right now. I know exactly Baco what you're talking Taco. about. That's what it is? I think it's called that. Yeah. Anyway, I thought like a St. Louis local, like you could tell me. Oh, it's a good place I, we'll to figure it out. We'll, go, well, <laughs> so I'm going to always tell you Chinese food or seafood. Oh, But yeah. if you want that, then, uh-huh. I mean, that sounds really good. <laughs> now I'm getting hungry. What time is it? 1221? It's lunchtime, yeah. man. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know you drove out here and yeah. your New Year's plans yeah, got no. muffed up, but nah, I'm fine. glad you're here. So we're going to make the most out of this thing. Yeah, yeah. I see you got your notes. Yeah. What's on there that you absolutely have to talk about? I was kind of trying to figure out how to tell the story, and I realized it, it went a little bit further back than I thought. I should probably start out by saying um, I was diagnosed Thanksgiving 2017, so just a little over a year ago, with herpes type 2, generally. And when I went back and I started looking at my medical history, I realized I've had interactions with a bunch of different viruses in the herpes family throughout my entire life, which kind of tells me why I'm a little more sure of who gave me herpes because all the research I've done and probably you've seen this too is like you never really know you can't be 100% sure who gave you herpes where'd you get it from people always say oh well you cheated on me so you must have gotten it from this place at this time but research says you really can't be sure I feel like I can be a little more confident because of the way I reacted and the way it happened to me I guess I start the story like way way back we're old enough where we didn't get a chickenpox vaccine so I got chickenpox First off, that's part of the herpes family, and usually that goes away. Get it when you're a kid, or we got it. Nowadays, kids don't get it. You get it, goes away. Um, sometimes in older people, the elderly or people with compromised immune systems, they get something else called shingles, which is a secondary kind of reoccurrence of chickenpox. Again, in the herpes family. Believe it or not, I got shingles at age nine. It wasn't <laughs> yeah. chicken pox? No, it was not chicken pox. I already had chicken pox, so we diagnosed that. We went through that. I was a you know normal kid. Um, and then I got shingles later on, different version of a virus in the herpes family. Fast forward to 2015, I also had, uh, was diagnosed with HPV. At that point, I mean, that was one of the bigger scares for me because they're like, oh yeah, you definitely have HPV and it's one step below cancer. So we're going to operate right now and take it out. So they didn't diagnose you with an abnormal pap smear first. They immediately went, you've got HPV. We need to take care of this right away. Yeah. Well, they said it's an abnormal pap smear. We're going to do another scraping, and then they figured out it's HPV. Oh, okay. And it's almost to the point where it's cervical cancer. So you got the operation. Did it go away? Yeah. The, okay. the doctor said you're cured. We don't, you know, there's no signs of it. But 
I've seen in some other places, you know, and I'm not an immunologist or epidemiologist or anything, but I've seen in some other articles that say it never really goes away. Yeah. You know, that you have it, you have it for life. But the gynecologist I had at that time said, oh, we can't find any more evidence of it. You're fine. Okay. No, you're cured. So that was two years ago. And then Thanksgiving 2017 is when I get diagnosed with herpes. Um, so the story there is I had been kind of casually seeing someone on and off um, that summer before. And I went away to grad school and he started seeing another girl. He had a girlfriend. We were doing our separate things. And then I come back for Thanksgiving and he'd broken up with his girlfriend. And so we get back together and like three days after I start getting symptoms Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking it feels like a UTI to start. I'm like, okay, so it kind of hurts when I pee. Should probably go see student health and like get a prescription for whatever treats a UTI and I'll be fine. You know, that'll be it. By the time I get to the clinic the next week after Thanksgiving, I'm having more problems. It not only hurts to pee, I've got sores. It hurts to sit. It hurts to put clothes on. I'm just kind of feeling like shit all over. And I finally get there and I'm not even thinking herpes yet, but the doctor comes back with like a primary test. She just kind of looked at it and she's like, I hate to say it, but that's probably herpes. And I just kind of shut down a little bit. I'm like, nope, I'm not going to believe it until a test comes back. You got to take a swab. You got to do some kind of culture because I'm all about science and proof and all that, that I'm not going to believe it until the culture comes back. So I don't know how they did it, but they were able to give me like a definitive diagnosis in the clinic. One time I had gone back a couple times and they were able to give me a definitive diagnosis in the clinic. And I just remember like they gave me a prescription for a bunch of different things. And I took all these prescriptions and I filled them. And then I sat in my car and I just bawled. You know, I'm sure you've probably heard that from everybody else. Yeah. That moment you stop and you think, shit, my life is over Nobody's ever going to want to touch me again. Nobody's ever going to want to, like, get to know me or be intimate with me again. I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. Why'd you think that? Um, probably a lot because of the stigma. And with other things, the shingles and HPV kind of affected my self-confidence a little bit. So I was still struggling with that a little bit. And then this just hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, that shattered my self-confidence. So that led to all those thoughts of, like, nobody's going to want me, nobody's going to be interested in me, nobody's going to want to touch me anymore. And I just kind of lived in a daze for a while. Later on, I figured out that I was actually really starting to become depressed. And it's really helped in the last few months or so. Um, I've been seeing a therapist. I've been, like, talking to people. I had group therapy back in the spring. I had individual therapy this past fall semester. But, yeah, at that point, I just, like... I felt like shattered. I felt like I wasn't ever going to be the same. And believe it or not, that's not where (laughs) the story ends. Later on in December, I had complications. It's called post-herpetic neuralgia. And you know where the herpes virus, at least type 2, resides kind of down in your sacral nerves. And that can kind of complicate other things. So everything else that was controlled by the sacral nerves... All that, like, important bodily function stuff, the nerves shut down. So those things shut down. So it was incredibly painful for most of December. And I was, like, dealing with this herpes diagnosis. I'm like, what the hell is this? None of these symptoms are like herpes. You know, I'm having trouble with, like, daily things. 
So like, what's going on here? I thought this was just supposed to be herpes and now I've got all this other shit to deal with. It was just a really rough time. And at that point, it was my first fall semester in grad school. So I didn't really know a ton of people. I was away from my family. I didn't feel like I could tell anybody. I think one of the biggest things I hear, probably from other people on the podcast, because I listen to the podcast all the time, one of the biggest things I hear from other people is I feel so alone. Nobody understands me. Like nobody is going to understand what I'm going through. And I get that. I felt that at that time. One of the unique things, I guess, about my story is that I'm still kind of in the middle of it. I'll tell you right now that like more than any of the other books I've read or any of the other research studies I've read or anything else, any of the resources I've looked at about herpes, more than any of that, this podcast has kind of helped me get through it the best. You know, just hearing from other people, other normal people that, that seem like they're everyday people telling their story. Um, and I've heard from some really horror stories and I, you know, I hope those people are, are healing too. And I've heard from some people that say, oh, I've had herpes for 20 years. There's no big deal. You know, and I hope to get there to that point where, oh, I've had herpes for such a long time, it's no big deal. But like, I'm kind of still in the middle of it. So I'm kind of still... Figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, coming to terms with it. And one of the things that you said is that you felt alone. That is a very common feeling between being diagnosed with herpes and then having to move forward with that information is that so many of us feel alone that the reality of there being so many people who are living with this virus isn't real to us. We don't care to hear that. We don't believe it mm -hmm. because... Nobody wants to do what's required in order to find out who else has herpes. So that means putting yourself out there saying, yeah, I have herpes. We're very selective in who we tell. We don't really want to tell people close to us because we're a little bit afraid of what they're going to think about us. Uh -huh. But if these people are close to us and we're dealing with something that's a struggle, if we can't open up to them about, think about it that way. If it's something that you're struggling with that is getting a lot of mainstream media attention. If you're struggling with an eating disorder, if you're struggling with depression, or if you're having suicidal thoughts, you are encouraged to tell people about that. You're encouraged to seek your support system. You're encouraged to not isolate yourself. But then when you contract an STI, looking at the way we view sex and sexuality, and I mean, that's not the only way you can get herpes is from sexual contact. That's yeah. one way. But the way that we view it, really determines how we respond to it. Like, we don't even look at the fact that we're experiencing depression or that there are other negative things going on around us, especially if we don't feel like we can share a secret with somebody close to us. How close is that person or how close are the people to you if you fear them shaming you, judging you, talking down to you? This is a really good tool to test those relationships around you by sharing that. Going back to the point of everybody feeling alone, that wouldn't be the case if everyone were to understand that we all know somebody who's living with herpes. Yeah. After I came out about it myself, I had two close friends to me who were recently diagnosed afterward. It makes me wonder, like, what would they have done? Where would they have gone mm -hmm. if they didn't know someone that they can come to and seek advice from? Because one of my friends, um, he was on antivirals immediately, and then he started working out and had, like, a protein that had arginine in it. Oh, yeah. And he didn't understand why he was getting outbreaks, so he told me what he was doing. I was like, oh, dude, you need to 
like lay <laughs> off the Argonaut right now and maybe yeah. even the antivirals because he said those two things happened. He began to have more outbreak. It's not like he was recently exposed to it. Mm-hmm. It was just that he recently had an expression of the virus. Once he got that, he immediately started to change things that maybe didn't even need to be changed, which were like the fact that he was now on antivirals. I've heard from people that being on antivirals is just one more constant reminder that you have herpes, which is another stressor. So you want to alleviate as much stress from your body as possible. And that was one of the things that he stopped taking the antivirals and he stopped with the Argonine. And now he just takes the medication as needed. So Mm -hmm. little things like this make being open about having herpes makes it more easy to do. There's a word for it, and I'm I'm drawing a blank right now for what it is, but <laughs> it, it makes it easier to do when I know that my openness about it has at least helped him and the other person that I was speaking with and the few other people who were close to me who came to me after a diagnosis and were like, what do I do? Where do I go from here? So being able to just point people in the right direction after that and help them not feel isolated or alone It's giving them the confidence that they need to understand this really is something that's common. I'm not the only person that's dealing with this. So Mm -hmm. I try to do my best to direct people to the best resources for where they are in their diagnosis. If that means a support group, if that means they're ready to start dating, if that means that they just need to see more information or hear more experiences or they need a confidence boost or they need to just see someone who looks like them or speak to or hear from. I do my best to just guide them into that direction if a conversation isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that we're here while you're in the middle of it because this is unique that you're someone who is figuring it out. You aren't newly diagnosed and deciding this is how I'm going to deal with it. And you're not at the point where you can say, I tried to deal with it this way (laughs) and that way and none of those work, but here's what's working for me. I want to ask you now, how are you? Um, well, like right now I'm, I'm okay. I'm, you know, just kind of taking it day by day. Going back to the antivirals thing too. I do take them every day, but I didn't at first because I didn't want to get into that feeling of like, oh, I have to take this pill every day. It's like the daily reminder of you have this thing and it's going to be with you for life and you're going to have to, it's this big pill that reminds you you have this thing between that first terrible month and like mm, first six months or so, I had almost a dozen outbreaks. So I finally decided to start taking the daily pill and I'm coming to terms with that. I'm okay with it. It's just another something I have to take. Like I take an allergy pill every day. Well, okay, I just take this with that, and it's just another thing I have to deal with. From that standpoint, I'm doing better, I think. Individual therapy really helped this spring season. I had a great person to talk to. We really kind of sorted through some self-image stuff. Yeah, I have this thing, but it's not all of me. And there's so much more stuff I have to offer the world. Somebody asked me, why are you so worried about this? Why are you thinking about this so much? When you've got so many other things going on that you've got so much else, so much other stuff to offer the world. I don't know. It seems like all that other stuff is okay right now. And and this is really shitty. So I feel like I perseverate on this and I think about it all the time. But in reality, sometimes I just got to get out of my own head and be like, hey, look at all this other stuff I've got. You know, I am talented. I'm generous. I'm involved in all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. I've got all kinds of other things going on and all kinds of other like pluses going for me. Yeah. Um, that this is just another facet. It's crazy how that imbalance can occur. So if you're able to picture a seesaw and on one side you've got all these great things going on that are positives, you are intelligent, you're in uh, grad school, you're also Mm -hmm. working, you're making time for yourself, you're going to therapy, all of these pluses, and then you've got the 
one negative of having herpes and it just weighs everything down. Mm-hmm. Like no amount of positivity or positive things are going to outweigh the fact that you have herpes until you begin to deal with the fact that you have herpes. Yeah. So that's what a lot of people really struggle with is seeing that. So, I mean, that's part of the reason for the hashtag I have herpes and is to understand that all these other things about you outside of having herpes is it shows you from a quantitative standpoint, okay, I've got all this good going on. And then you can look at it and be like, but herpes. And then you begin to see herpes as having such a powerful qualitative effect over you versus all of these amazing things that you have going on. And you begin to see that it's just a matter of perception. So why am I giving herpes so much weight to where it's carrying more weight than the positive aspects of my life Mm -hmm. and a lot of it is really centered in our sexuality a lot of our sexual identity or our identities are tied into our sexuality so while you may have everything going for your career friendships family hobbies interests skills and you've got a bright future ahead of you like none of those things matter to yeah, herpes. Like and it takes away all that. Our perception of it, feels it, like it does. early on is that it does. Mm-hmm. And our emotional response to it is very real. It's just not based in reality. So we have to often question it. Like we have to ask ourselves, okay, why is it that all of these great things are happening for me? And then herpes is the one thing that pulls me away from that that space. So I'm in a space of just joy and bliss when I'm able to experience all these things. And then, oh, I think about herpes. Oh, I think about sex. Like I just get anxiety about it. Uh But there's no reason for it until you begin to ask these tough questions. Like, okay, well, why is it that herpes affects me so negatively? And you've got um, this prime factorization chart going uh, like we did in in high school. Are you pulling out high school math? Yes. (laughs) Uh, That was the only useful math that I'm using right now. Like multiplying, dividing, percentages, and then Mm -hmm. the prime factorization method just with herpes. Herpes is exactly whatever it is that we give it as far as our thoughts go Mm -hmm. so you break it down and it comes down to your sexuality and identifying with it so now it's like i can't have sex who am i i can't give someone sex without putting them at risk for contracting herpes so i'm nobody we got to tell ourselves it's bullshit yeah (laughs) just when you say it that sounds so stupid yeah and it just needs to be said out loud because in your head there's all this shit going on and until Mm -hmm. you put it out there and you hear how ridiculous that shit sounds (laughs) you're like oh oftentimes you know you may not even have to say it out loud what did it for me was writing like journaling okay yeah yeah. i have herpes what does this mean how am i dealing with it and when you're able to have the experiences and challenge what you believe to be true about yourself now that you have herpes with what is actually true about yourself now that you have herpes you're able to go oh okay and then make a decision moving forward i'm going to continue to believe the incorrect stuff that's based on the thoughts of people who don't know they don't have herpes or don't know anyone who has herpes or know what it's like to have herpes Mm -hmm. i'm either gonna allow my behaviors and thoughts to center around that or the actual experiences that I'm having. And that's really what this podcast is, is a hub of resources for people to understand what the reality of it is on top of being able to navigate the challenges of dealing with an STI diagnosis or whatever else it is that's going on in your life, because that's Mm -hmm. not it. We don't want to center everything around the fact that we have herpes. And like I said, when you look at it on that seesaw and you begin to just break it down for what it is, a lot of it is things that don't even apply to you. We got to put more quality qualitative energy 
into that quantity of things about ourselves that aren't necessarily our sexuality and be able to understand that like we can still be sexual beings perfect example i've had more sex now that i've had herpes than i did beforehand and it's been a lot safer sex because now we have to have these conversations i have to say hey you know i have herpes here's what it means for me here's what it means to you if we decide to move forward do you have any questions (laughs) then you also want to ask the other person because we'll forget that early on i forgot to ask other people i'm like i have herpes you okay with that oh yeah i know what that is yeah all right let's have sex and not even (laughs) never mind like maybe you have something right you know, I've got this. You, I didn't even ask you, but do you have something? And that was just something that I had to learn through my experience. And I'm sure a lot of others have learned that as well. But as you begin to practice this and disclose and reclaim your power and your sexuality and begin to see your own self-worth through looking at those external things, the skills you have, the relationships you have in your life, when you're able to look at those things next to each other, you realize, oh, I'm so much more than this. And you can begin to really step back into your sexual power because a lot of us we just completely lose that once Mm -hmm. we're diagnosed it's i'm never gonna have sex again and that's what people don't (laughs) want to say but that's really what it is yeah oh my god no one's ever gonna want to have sex with me again i'm not gonna be able to get laid because i mean aside from oh shit who else did i give this to Mm -hmm. i think that was my immediate next thought Mm -hmm. it was it began to shift into how am i gonna have sex And so while many of us don't say it, that's what a lot of us are really thinking. And sex doesn't stop unless you make it stop. It really just looks different. It's more healthy. You begin to be more conscious about it. So herpes is just a consciousness tool to make you recognize, okay, this is the person that I'm exchanging energy with on a physical level. Is this someone who I want to do that with? Is this someone right for me? And now you've got this whole awesome filtering mechanism that also lets you know when your body is under stressful situations and you can put it out there to the other person and be like, okay, hey, I have herpes, and see how they respond to it. If they're Mm -hmm. not invested in what you're invested in long-term, then you'll be able to see what it is that they feel about it. And some people just may not want to deal with it, and you got to be okay with that. I'll be honest, if I were given the chance before learning everything that I learned about herpes to this day, then I probably would have been like, no, as well. Yeah. Can I, can I ask you about that, actually? And maybe, like, some stories you've heard from other people you've interviewed. One of the things I'm still kind of hung up on every so often is still getting rejected. Like, in the first few months, first time dealing with this, I've been rejected twice because of it. Um, you know, I was seeing someone before my diagnosis, and then after I said, oh, um, I'm going through this, I have herpes, and they just kind of ghosted on me. And then um, later in the summer, I had this longtime friend from several years ago that I hadn't seen in a while. And he's like, oh, yeah, we've got this wedding up in uh, up in the cabins in Wisconsin this weekend. It's going to be great. You should be my plus one. I'm like, yeah, sure, absolutely. And then, you know, I call him back. I'm like, oh, you know, you should probably know I've got herpes. And I got uninvited. And it's like, I, I try not to take that personally, but it feels, it, it doesn't make it hurt any less. Yeah. You know, that, that, wait a second, I like you and I've shown I like you before, but now that you tell me you have herpes, no, nah, I don't like you quite so much. You know, I don't want to touch you. I don't want to be near you. You know, and it's more a reflection on who they are than who you are. And I, I'm, I've heard that, and I'm trying to to work with that and accept that. But like, how do you, how do you get past that? How do you get to the point where you believe that the people who aren't in your life aren't in your life for a reason? At that point in time, you were still newly diagnosed, right? Yeah. A few months in. It was only a few months. Yeah. How do you feel about it? Were you still scared? Were you still 
nervous? Were you still figuring it out, confused about it? Yeah, I was. I was still more than anything. I was like pessimist, pessimistic, mm-hmm. depressed, just kind of meh. Yeah, you said you wanted to get food later, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine you come to me and you're like, "Oh, hey, what what food should I get while I'm in town?" And I tell you, there's this Chinese food place that's all right. I love Chinese food. But if I say it like that, and uh-huh. then I say, oh, there's this steakhouse that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. When I say the Chinese food place, like, I'm excited about it. I really like it. Mm-hmm. But based on my mood and what I'm projecting to you is that it's not, I mean, you don't yeah. want to go there. But you want to yeah. go to the steak place because of my enthusiasm right, behind yeah. it. That's probably not the best example. <laughs> but <laughs> the way that I presented the steak Mm-hmm. I mean, I like steak, but I really love Chinese food. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't really know that. It kind of maybe would even confuse you. I say that to say this, like the way you present it does also have a lot to do with it. So if you haven't dealt with and processed how you feel about it, how can you believe what I'm saying about it being OK? Yeah. Like if I'm saying that this is good food, are you going to believe this is good food? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm comparing food to sex here. <laughs> <Bear> <laughs> no, but I get it. I get it. Like the very first time, I think the the first person I disclosed to and rejected me, I was still kind of unsure. You know, I was I presented it like very tentatively. Like I have this. It's this is what's going on. I'm kind of dealing with it right now. And, and to be honest, I'm struggling. You know, I, I presented that hoping for a little bit of compassion and, and helpfulness, and I got a little compassion in the moment. You know, because he's not just going to, like, stand up and walk out the door. I got a little compassion there, but then it was pretty clear when he, like, ghosted mm-hmm. a couple weeks later yeah. that, like, I, I got the point. Yeah, you had it right when you said it's a reflection. Mm-hmm. Don't look at it as it's a reflection of them or it's a reflection of you. Like, it's an overall reflection. So it's a reflection of what that person wants. It's a reflection of who that person is. It's a reflection back at you of how you really feel about it. It's reflecting all this shit. It, mostly it's a reflection of our society. And how we view herpes. So mm-hmm. you can't take it personal because that's overall a reflection of that person's background and the culture that they grew up in. And the lack of sex education and presentation of the inevitability of being exposed to herpes. So if we had these kinds of conversations early on, then it would be a completely different response. I mean, maybe he would still not want herpes because he doesn't know if he does or doesn't have herpes. But uh-huh. you got to understand that people make the assumption that they are clear of STIs because mm-hmm. when they get tested, if they get tested, um, they're assuming that they've been tested for everything. Yeah, they don't get tested every for STD, everything. Yeah. Every yeah. STI. And that isn't the case. So the best way to not take it personal is to understand that that reflection is a reflection of everything. The only part you can control is how you present it. So if you go into it with confidence, with information that can help that other person, if you're feeling educated, if you have your own experiences even. And one of the ways that I've disclosed um, before I was with Sierra was, hey, I want you to know I wasn't given a choice in this, you know, as to whether or not I had herpes. I'm super fucking awesome. I know that about myself. So before you and I begin courting each other and you fall madly in love with me, (laughs) it makes it hard for you to say what you really feel about it. I want you to know that I have genital HSV2, which is the virus that causes herpes. Here's what it means for me. Here's what it means for you. And I would always operate under the assumption that the other person didn't have an STI. 
Like I, it just never crossed my mind that they would have it as yeah, well yeah. or that they wouldn't have herpes as well. So that was my very cookie cutter template of just saying, hey, you know, I'm, it might have come off as arrogant or conceited a little bit, but it was really just me knowing my self-worth, mm-hmm. knowing that if I'm with you or if I'm dating you, I'm going to treat you with respect. I'm going to court you with integrity. Like this is the kind of person I am in the dating phase. So this is who I'm presenting myself to be. Despite having herpes, I think that it's important enough for you to know everybody's looking to have sex. (laughs) Unless you're not looking to have sex, I guess. (laughs) But it's almost expected to have sex early and then get to know someone. So the most fair thing that I was able to do at that point in time was to demonstrate like, hey, I know you're going to like me because we've been talking for this long. Mm -hmm. Even if it was just a few days. (laughs) But uh, I sense that sex is going to be something that comes up. So... Here it is. Like, this is something that you need to know. Mm-hmm. The feedback that I've gotten from that, I've been ghosted before, but that was before I learned to present it that way. But more often than not, there was understanding. There were questions. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, so you are awesome and you have herpes. What's this herpes thing about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it just like <laughs> reinforced the fact that I am an awesome person. So you got to be able to present that in there. For me, it was just like a humorous way of doing so with the, I mean, I'm super awesome. And before you fall madly in love with me, dot, dot, dot. So <laughs> I really got to use that line. Yeah. I think. I mean, I'm working on it. I'm getting there. But I think if I just like bust out that line, that'll like bump up my own self-confidence and like make me seem yeah. hilariously irresistible to whoever I'm talking to. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> that confidence I found is what has been most attractive. I did like a poll and I talk about this a few times where it's like the most attractive. I don't want to say man, woman, but the most attractive masculine trait is decisiveness. Mm-hmm. The most attractive feminine trait is like sociability. So being mm-hmm. able to demonstrate whatever it is that you more closely identify with is more attractive. So me being decisive and like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I want. This is what we have. This is what we're working with. Uh And for you, I would say, you know, it's more of like, these are the things that I do. These are my hobbies. It goes back to that seesaw where you have all your pluses. You know, she's actually very social and confident in that. So to be able to present that in a way where he's going to be captivated by it's like oh okay so you got all these awesome things going on you have herpes tell me more Mm -hmm. that's really what it is i mean a lot of people just don't understand what herpes is i was one of them until i had to do my own research in fact i think everybody needs a herpes scare yeah everyone needs to (laughs) maybe not a scare scare. but like oh no it's some way to get the you really (laughs) think so at this point at this point it's a scare if anyone's (laughs) told hey i might have given you herpes or if they're told that might be herpes. You become a herpesologist and begin, <laughs> wait, not herpetologist because that's reptiles, but yeah. <laughs> you become an expert on herpes because uh-huh. you begin Googling, you begin yeah. to look for things that you weren't exposed to, but they've always been there. All these resources have been there. It took mm-hmm. me five years to even find like dating websites for people with herpes. You know how much easier my life would have been immediately <laughs> after diagnosis? That may have made it harder because I probably would have just only stuck to people who had herpes to avoid the discomfort of disclosing, which yeah. then built my character of who I am now. Mm-hmm. So we got to be able to look at things that way. And it's not a matter of good, bad. It just happened. And here we are. Look at those instances as lessons. So those rejections, what have you learned from those? Wow. What have I learned from those? Uh, that's just something to yeah. think about. Yeah. You don't, don't have know. to answer. That's a, that's a good question. So, I mean, it's easier to see 
some of the downsides of these people. Like, oh, well, I really didn't want to hang out with him anyway. He's kind of an idiot or mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And I guess, yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty because if I had continued having this person, this certain person in my life, I probably wouldn't be finishing my master's. I probably would be living somewhere else and doing something else with my life. And I'm kind of happy with what I'm doing right now, like yeah. professionally. So, yeah, like if, if I hadn't had those rejections, then, yeah, I wouldn't have to deal with that, that hurt and, you know, that pain sometimes. But I think my life would be a little bit different and maybe not in a way that, not in a place that I want to be in. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So, I mean, what you just did right there, like you just pulled that out of you. Like I didn't give you anything that yeah. was in you. You knew what the lessons were. Mm -hmm. And like you said, hindsight twenty twenty. You can look at people and see them for exactly who they are, what their role is in your life. When you begin to not look at things as, oh my God, they rejected me. I'm, and then you associate yourself with that negativity. Mm -hmm. When you get out of that space, it becomes a lot easier going forward. You begin to recognize the better qualities of yourself, you begin to recognize red flags, you begin to set boundaries. I mean, there were maybe even things that came up about that person that had you go, uh, even before you disclosed, but mm -hmm. hindsight, <laughs> you know? Yep, yep. So now you begin to recognize those things as they come up moving forward. So when you're preparing yourself to disclose, when you're dating, when you're seeing someone and they bring up one of these red flags from one of these past lessons that you learned, you're mm -hmm. able to move forward accordingly with that information. So you can decide to ignore it or you can recognize it and explore it deeper. But that's your choice. You now recognize that you have a choice in dealing with that. Mm -hmm. So each of these negative experiences that you had with rejection, don't look at them as negative. Look at them as they're, they're, they're teaching moments. Yeah. Anything that we perceive as negative is something that we can learn from moving forward and help us with uh, steering ourselves toward the neutral or positive or the good and it, however you wish to look at it. But all this shit's really just happening and we make a decision that just shifts the course of our interpretation of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I used to, I, I don't know how that just reminded me, but like I think rejections and dealing with that and getting through that and kind of getting out of my own head has made me a little bit tougher too, a little bit more picky, a little bit more like, okay, I might be worth a little more. You know, I don't think I have, like, the overflowing self-confidence that I think you have a little more. I'm getting there. And um, I remember back in high school, we had this this PE teacher that would call us suburban cream cheese. But, like, because we were, like, kids from the suburbs. We were pansies. We were all, like, smooth and cute and, and you know, perfect. We had everything given to us and whatever. I'm like, well, I don't know how many of those people have dealt with tough shit in their lives. And I've had a little bit of that now, and I feel like I'm a little bit grown past that you know yeah. i'm a little bit tougher i'm a little bit more resilient that's what this is like that's what these things are to happen to us there's the traumatic events and this is trauma especially how we respond to it when we are able to move forward and recognize it as such it makes us look at other shit it's not just the herpes now it's what what is herpes tied to in your mind it's tied to sex what does sex mean to you and then you begin to look at relationships and while they're various types of relationships you look at the intimate relationships and then you begin to look at your friendships your relationships with your family you look at your work relationships all of that stuff it's just one of those things where you begin to look deeper and like you said it's made you a little more resilient and tough mm -hmm. that's awesome we got to also recognize too that if it wasn't herpes then what else would it be because at some point we're going to have some adversity and how are we going to respond to it it sucks that we have to go into these dark stages, but we got to look at the shadows. 
We got to be in that darkness. We got to learn to find our own light in that. Because, I mean, that's really what we are. I saw a meme today posted by uh, Danielle Bryan, who we've had on the podcast before. Mm -hmm. And it said uh, something along the lines of I used to be afraid of the shadows until I realized I was the light. Damn it. It was something like that. It was real cool. (laughs) Way smoother than the way Uh I just said it. But Uh ultimately, it's just recognizing that you are the light and that the shadows are afraid of you. Yeah. Yeah. So there's nothing for you to be afraid of in this, you know, just yeah. beginning to recognize your own self-worth, begin to see yourself the way that you choose to be seen, because that's all you. Who mm-hmm. you believe yourself to be is who you are. Yeah. And then all you got to do is continue to stick to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, one of the things I want to do 2019, I want to I do something to, like, attack the stigma. Because I think that's one of the things that's holding me back and probably holding some other people back, too, is that huge stigma. Like, when you're talking about facts and being able to have that conversation, people are asking you, oh, well, what's this herpes thing you got going on? I have dozens of facts in the back of my head. You know, I'm so type A, so fact-based. I'm like, I want to spit all this out at you. But I can't because I, I need to, like, okay, I need to tell you I have herpes and then give you your space. When you're I ready. think that's the, yeah, that's the healthy way to ready. do it. But, man, I have all these facts, and I just want to, like, tell people, I'm like, this is so much more common than you know. There shouldn't be a stigma. I shouldn't have to deal with this shit. No. You know? No one should. Going back to what you said about attacking the stigma, I don't think that this is something that can be attacked or anything like that. It's something that just needs to be understood because, in all honesty, the stigma's not real. It's a bunch of made-up shit that's been perpetuated in society, not only by the comedians, actors, actresses, and people who perpetuate the jokes, but it's also Mm -hmm. being perpetuated by the people who choose not to state the facts about it. When an opportunity presents itself, when you scroll down your newsfeed and you see Mm -hmm. a herpes joke, when you don't respond, think about it. If the average person has a thousand Facebook friends, okay, that person posts that. Let's say even half of those people scroll down and see that herpes meme and they're looking at it and they're like, oh man, statistically speaking, at least 20% of those people, so a hundred people who see that Mm -hmm. are some way or form offended or triggered by it, depending on where they are in their diagnosis. Think about you go there and you see one comment and it shows you the comment and then you say something like, well, actually, this many people have herpes or, well, actually, I find this offensive. I have herpes. Think about what you're doing for that 100 people, that 20 percent of the people who saw that post and saw that someone was unperpetuating the stigma, undoing the damage that was just done. Mm -hmm. Not only are you doing that, but like your impact is way more amplified because of the fact that you openly, publicly call somebody out on their shit. So now that person who's been called out is going to have one of two reactions. They're going to be like, they're going to remain ignorant or they're going to acknowledge what they did and now they're going to go off into the world more mindful before they post some shit like that again. It's all across the board and the more involvement we can get from the people who are okay with opening up about having herpes, who are willing to address the people who perpetuate the stigma and not be a person who just allows the perpetuation of the stigma to take place, then we'll be so much better off so much sooner. Who knows? Maybe we can get to a place where so many people come out and speak up about it that there's some sort of a vaccine in place. I mean, think about it. We have a chicken pox vaccine. Yeah. Why isn't there a herpes vaccine? Well, that's another thing, though. Um, I've asked this question as well in a bunch of different places. If there were a guarantee for research 
to go into a cure or vaccine for herpes, and all it required you to do was sign a petition, which meant risking people finding out Mm -hmm. that you have herpes, would you do it? Mm -hmm. And so many people said yes, only if they knew there would be a cure. That speaks volumes to where we are. So, yeah, there may be a chance, but that's not good enough for people. They Mm -hmm. want to definitely know that if they put themselves out there about it, that it's going to be undone because they can take a cure or someone can take a vaccine. But we're not going to be able to get to that place if more people aren't willing to take these risks of disclosing to someone and being rejected. Disclosing to someone and now having to take that rejection as a lesson and taking it into forward interactions, recognizing red flags and being able to use this as an opportunity to dig through their shit and get it together. That's a direct reflection of where we are, again, as a whole. Mm -hmm. It's a reflection of everything. People are afraid, and we live in a time where it's this instant gratification thing. All right, if I take this huge risk right now, I want a guaranteed reward. And the guaranteed reward would be a cure or a vaccine. And then if there's a vaccine and everyone's taking it, your disclosure shifts, and it now becomes, well, have you had the herpes vaccine? (laughs) I don't even have to tell you I have herpes if you had the vaccine. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just how that's the world we live in at this point. We got to be able to get to that place. We got to get to the place where people recognize that the stigma is it's there. Our response to the stigma is real. But ultimately, if you dismantle the stigma for what it is, it's not real. It's a bunch of ideas and beliefs about people who just don't know It's like to have herpes and then challenge that stuff, challenge it with your own experience. So if you begin to feel stigmatized or you sense that the stigma is very prevalent in your life right now, then challenge that with the experiences that you had. Are people not touching you? Are you not loved? Are you no longer attractive? Can you not have sex anymore? Look at those things. Challenge that. Part of me thinks that it's going to take somebody probably several people that have this, you know, perfect personality, this goody two-shoes person that always does everything right and has everything in line and has a wonderful life. It's going to take a bunch of those people to come out with herpes to say that, you know, to disclose to everybody for more people to start to accept it. Kind of similarly when celebrities talk about depression or or any celebrities talk about any of their struggles, you know, it becomes a more broad conversation. So it's going to, I feel like it's going to take some of those people to come out and say that. And I really kind of want to, you know, because I'm one of those people that like, I'm always doing the right thing. I'm always, you know, very family oriented, very caring, very generous, very on top of things. You know, I I try to lead the best life I can. Um, But if I were to come out and say, Hey, I have this, I think it might rock the boat a little bit, and it might hopefully dismantle some of that yeah. that idea. <clears throat> it just takes a bit of courage. Yeah, and a lot of the people who are in that space just don't really feel a need to say anything. These are the people who have their life, they found their people or person who accepts them for having HSV or whatever it is that they have going on, that there's no need to speak out because they have what they need. Like, what's the point in speaking out if mm-hmm. not for other people? When you're out of it, you're out of it. Like, I didn't realize that how many people were struggling with HSV, who wanted to kill themselves, who were dealing with depression, who remained in toxic relationships, who need this type of a resource to be available to them until I got in this community. When I got to see all of the posts, all of the statuses, reading all of the interactions with people who were like, hey, you know, my friend is really struggling with this. Can you reach out and talk to them? And so if you're not 
in it, then you can't experience it. You can't see it. You don't see any need for it. So hopefully at some point, like the people who are living their best life right now Mm -hmm. are able to just look back, reach back, reach out and say, you know what? I'm willing to just be there for somebody. And even if you don't tell what your status is, you don't have to say I have herpes. You can just let people know I'm here for you. And another interesting thing is that there may have been, out of the 90 podcast episodes that I've had, there may have been two people who know that they got herpes after they were super hyper sexually active. Like, they got out of a marriage and they were like, fuck this, I'm going in. (laughs) You know, there may have been two or three people like that. And most of the people have just been lied to. You either didn't know or you were lied to. So I would say that the majority of these podcast episodes that I've done, the majority of the conversations that I've had have been that people just did not know or that they had been lied to and believed that they were in a monogamous relationship with someone who was honest about what their STI status was. But mostly we just don't know. And ignorance is bliss. So the less we know, the better. There's no argument against that, really. That's one of the things I learned is that I can't imagine uh, wanting to be intimate with someone and kind of getting to that point and not telling them. I didn't get the choice. I didn't get the option whether or not, hey, this is coming up. You want to deal with this or no? Didn't get that choice. Yeah. And to not give that to someone else, I have to give them that choice. I have to say it, you know, so I have to be honest and be vulnerable. Yeah. And then when you open up the door for that vulnerability, you make space for a much deeper connection to take place. Because while you're struggling with herpes and you're beginning to be depressed about it, when you open up to someone and they're able to say, hey, I'm here for you. You give a person an opportunity to be there for you. And then maybe even open the door for them to share something with you. Oh, I have herpes too. And this is just so great to know that there's somebody else and that connection that takes place when two people are able to be vulnerable with one another in a safe space it makes sex exponentially better yeah it's not just uh, peeing hole or whatever i mean whatever however you have sex but it's just (laughs) not it's not just that it's more than that you feel that energetic exchange that connection and it's just being solidified with the physicality of it did we cover all your notes? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I was let's, trying to think I wanted sure. to leave like some nice lesson or something. Ooh, I like How are you going to leave a nice lesson if you're <laughs> in the middle of it? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've learned something. I, I hope yeah. I've learned something. I've definitely changed from then to now. Um, How? Some of the books I read said it takes maybe four to six months for the normal person to be okay with this. And I'm like, well, I'm at a year and change and I'm still not 100%. So... Some of the stuff you read is not always going to be true. I would like to know where that statistic came from. I have no idea. It was one of the many books. Literally, the week after I got this diagnosis, I went to the library. And it's a university library, so it's got a bunch of resources. I went there, and I found every book I could find on the topic of herpes. And I took them home, and I tried to read them all. (laughs) And I tried to pull out as many facts and as many things as I could to make me feel better about this. You know, so I'm, I'm full of all that. And then there were some conflicting facts, and you throw out a number today, and it's going to be different next week. Or I throw out a number, and you've got a completely different number for the same statistic, you know? So that's what I first tried to do. And then after that, I just kind of realized, all right, it, you, no matter how many facts you have, you can, you can know everything there is to know in the world, and it's still not going to change how you feel. So you got to kind of live with this and take it day by day and just create your own truth. Like, the books can give you the research and the books that the studies can give you the facts, but 
it may not be true to you until you kind of create your own truth. I like that you said that. That's exactly what I was going to say. You <laughs> said challenge it with your own experiences and uh-huh. your truth. So, I mean, that can be what we leave people with. Yeah. Just take the truth, find the facts, and then challenge those things to your own personal experience. Mm-hmm. Andrea, I thank you so much for coming all the way out here to do this podcast episode. It's going to be very helpful to somebody, um, even if it's just you. So I'm going to upload this and let you listen to it on your drive. Hopefully you enjoy that Mexican Chinese food (laughs) 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 um, when you get up out of here. If you listen to this and you don't want it to be posted or shared and it was just good enough for you to hear it, then we can leave it at that. That's just how this process is. I mean, I've done a few interviews where we've released episodes and then there have been people who have just listened to this and just been like, you know what? I'm good with that. Like I I said what I (laughs) needed to say and they've just felt better about it. So hopefully we can use this conversation as something that other people can listen to and just be like, okay, I I get that. Um, Especially since you're in the middle of it. I think a lot of people are really in the middle of it. A lot of the advocates have come to terms with their diagnosis and the people who are willing to put their faces out there were great for people to see as an example but I mean I look at it like how I look at celebrities who talk about their problems and their adversities it's like you don't know shit like you Mm -hmm. can take a year and this is one of the reasons that I kind of (laughs) changed the format of the podcast Uh because um, like I listen to Oprah's podcast and she has all these people on there and I hear it's been common where someone's like, oh yeah, I took a year off from work and just found myself. And I'm like, who the fuck can take a year off How work you and do just that? find themselves? <laughs> no, like talk to me. Let me talk to someone who can't take off work, who has to yeah. go to work every day, who still has to go to school, who has to still take care of their families. That's the person I want to hear from where you are right now in your diagnosis, where I believe a lot of people to be. So while I'm in a sense, like in the public media about it and open about this, I may not be able to relate to someone as well as you can as someone who's navigating this, who's been diagnosed a year ago, dealing with it now, and you're still figuring it out. So you can help someone else get on the path of figuring it out. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for your time. Yeah, no problem. And like I mentioned before, you know, this listening to this podcast has helped me a lot, just hearing from other people and hearing the unique parts of their stories and their lives and how they've coped with it. So if I can share my story and help even one other person, that's a successful day for me. That's, that's what, what I want to do. About. Yeah. This concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. I am on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Reddit at H on my chest. I'm most active on Instagram, though, so if you want to follow me there, that would be awesome, and I'll probably be able to respond to you and all that kind of stuff right away. If you don't feel comfortable following any of the social media pages, just keep in contact with the hashtag SPFPP and hashtag something positive for positive people. Please rate, review, subscribe to, and most importantly, share this podcast with anyone, anywhere that you may find it to be useful, and I'll appreciate it so, so very much. A lot of people are finding this podcast, are finding it useful like you just heard Andrea say. So we want to make sure that we can get these resources in front of people when they need it the most, which is freshly after a diagnosis or after dealing with it for a while and needing to get back into dating or whatever it may be. Any engagements or interactions that you have with the podcast are much appreciated. And I thank you guys for making this podcast what it is today. Till next time, stay positive.